Good morning. I want to be the first one to say Happy Daughter's Day. At New Hope, we like to say Happy Daughter's Day because my husband says it best. He says, before we were ever mothers, before we were ever granddaughters, before we were wives or working women, we were first daughters of God. And so I just want to tell everyone Happy Daughter's Day and include everyone in today as we celebrate the beauty of women for those that don't know me, my name is Megan Fry. My husband, Chris, and I serve as the pastors here at New Hope. And this morning, he's usually up here preaching the paint off the wall, doing his thing that he does so good. And I'm down there in my little comfort zone, down there, right down there, cheering him on. But today, he is um, on his way to Africa. So y'all be in prayer for him. Um, he is on his way. He'll be back in 10 days, so y'all just be in prayer for him. Um, and it's a privilege and an honor to be able to share my heart with y'all this morning. I know some of you are probably wondering who this lady is up here next to me. I asked her to join me this morning because I believe that she is going to complement the message that I have for you today just with her life experience and her wisdom that I don't necessarily have. And so this is Teresa Kaviter. She has been the director of sales for her company in Shreveport for the past 20 years, where she led seminars and trainings for college groups at the Barksdale Air Force Base at the Mayor's Commission. She has also been appointed as a commissioner with the Mayor's Commission for Women of Bossier City, served as the president's president for both Bossier and Shreveport Chambers of Commerce, and served on boards for several nonprofit and charity groups throughout her career. For the past two years, she has led the Northwest Louisiana Women's Prison Ministry to help female inmates with the training of life skills using God's Word. But more importantly, I want you to know that she's my mom. <laughs> and it's, it wouldn't be, it's, I would not be the woman that God has called me to be or be where I am at today without her guidance, her encouragement, her influence, and her prayer. So it's an honor that she's able to be with me today. Thank you, my sweet Megan. Isn't she an amazing daughter? I'm going to tell you. She is. She is. Good morning, everyone. It is such an honor to be here with you this morning on such a very special day. Um, I can't imagine a better place to be. And I'm so glad that each and every one of you were called to be here at this time and in this moment. Um, we have a special message for you. Megan, you know, God has just blessed her with an amazing, amazing message for you. It is titled, Passing Through. And uh, she said to me, she said, Mom, you know, you have had so many amazing childhood experiences that I'd like you to think of a time when you were just passing through. So... I'm going to tell you a story from my childhood because what Megan may not have told you is that I was born and raised in Wiesbaden, Deutschland, yeah? Ich bin ein deutsches Kind. I was born in Germany and uh, was there till I was 12 years old before I came to the States. And um, I'm going to tell you a story about passing through. Um, it was a wonderful time growing up in Germany and... Um, my family, we traveled all over the countryside to include Luxembourg and Austria, France, um, all over Germany. I have family everywhere. Um, and also to uh, East Berlin, which at the time was communist Russia. But one story about our, one of our journeys comes to mind. My mother was German, and um, she had family living in South Germany. 
She was born in a small little town called Waldbeckelheim, yeah? It's a kleine, kleine Stadt in Deutschland, very little. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so here we go. We get packed up. We're in the car. We've got on our Sunday finest. I mean, I've got my little kerchief on. I got my Sunday shoes. We are piled up in that car, and we're on a, a road trip. And I have to tell you, we could not wait to get there. We were so excited until we got there. Oh, I have to tell y'all, um, I looked out that window. My, my dad pulls up in his little Corvair, you know, for some of you. Some of you may know what a Corvair was, a little Chevy Corvair. Anyway, that's what we had. And we pull up in that little car, and um, I'm looking around out the window, and I'm going, what is all this brown stuff everywhere? It's mud. It looks like caked mud, you know, just everywhere. And so we open up the doors to get out, and it hits us like a ton of bricks. Bricks. It's a smell I've never smelled before, and I cannot imagine what is that smell. And I look over, and my little cousin has got her nose all wrinkled up. She's five years old, and she says, "Was denn riecht denn hier so?" Which in German is, "What in the world smells here so?" And uh, my aunt uh, looks over at her and to her daughter, and she says, "Ach du liebe Silke." De cool macht poo, which is the cows are making poo. <laughs> okay, so now we knew what we were stepping in. Okay, yuck. So uh, I will tell you, as excited as we were to make that journey down there, oh, we could not wait to leave that day. We were there much, much too long. And uh, I remember saying to my dad over and over again, can we leave yet? Is it time to go yet? <laughs> Because the smell never left you. It was there. But uh, finally piling back up into the car at the end of the day, I remember my dad removing our shoes off the feet, off of our feet and just throwing them in the trunk of our car. Y'all, I can't even remember the people we went there to go see, our family, because of the smell. I mean, I, I still to this day, you know. I only remember the smell. Yeah, I only remember. <laughs> the smell is a lifelong memory. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, we were so glad to say, Auf Wiedersehen, right? When we, when we left, and so thankful that we were just passing through. And that, that's exactly what we were doing. Because, y'all, when the enemy says to you, you need to stay, and he wants you to be in a place where God never did prepare that for you, you need to tell him, not today, devil, in the name of Jesus, you are under my feet. And uh, the next time somebody tries to tell you to, that they have great plans for you and dinner, if you'll just spend the night, you need to say, no, thank you. We're just passing through. Whenever you know you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and there's a smell in the air, you need to definitely say, thank you, Jesus, for getting me out of Dodge. <laughs> so um, I just, before we got to the message this morning, uh, would you all just pray with me, please? Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for this glorious day. Lord, I pray that you open the hearts and minds of all those that are listening. Father, we thank you that this is your word, not ours. And Lord, we give you the honor and the glory. And in all things, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today we're talking about some people that we're also just passing through. We are going to settle in Psalms 84. I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop 
of this passage because if I just read it, you're not going to completely understand. Um, I've been studying. We're going to break down scripture by scripture of this passage. It's about a people that were just completely and fully devoted to God. And they were so devoted. They had just such a hunger to want to be in his presence that they were willing to walk through a valley, through a desert plain to get there. It says that they're on the highways to Zion. Zion in that time was the temple. It was the presence of God. And so these people would take this long journey through this desert just to sit in the presence of God, to have that kind of devotion. You know, if, if, if Christianity cost us something or if it was just like, would we still do it? If the only way that we could experience the presence of God, would we be willing to walk through a valley, through a desert plain? I don't know. So that's what we're going to break down and we're going to talk about today. Psalms 84, 1 through 7. I just want you to hear the heart of these people and how much they were devoted to God and loved him. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King, my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are on the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. You know, it was nearly impossible for them to make this journey without hardship, without pain, and sometimes without death. Sometimes people would get dehydrated and they would lose people on this journey. And this, this valley literally means the valley of weeping. So a few weeks ago, there was literally, it, my living room became the valley of weeping in an instant. So Adeline is my perfectionist child. She's my A-type. Do I have any A-types in here? My perfectionist, everything has to be perfect. You will wear yourself out trying to make it perfect. Driving yourself and other people around you crazy trying to do it. Okay, so that's my child. That's Adeline, all right? She does that. She was doing, she was practicing her gymnastic skills, and she had perfected it, okay, on one leg. And her daddy said, huh, try it on the other leg. And so she starts trying it on the other leg. And she didn't perfect it. She content then she grew frustrated, and her daddy said, oh, that leg's just not strong enough. And she just, like, melted, like, fell to the ground and melted. And he looked at me, and he was like, like, he was so confused. Like, what just happened? What, what did I say that just crumbled her? He said, baby, come here. So she came over, you know. And uh, he said, all I said was that leg wasn't strong enough that you're just going to need to keep working that leg and her face softened and she said I thought you said I wasn't trying and so in an instant when she realized what he truly said she wasn't distraught she was encouraged you know when we're in the valley we're in the desert you know sometimes we don't understand what God means for it to be and so we see it as a as a season of of distraught we see it as a season of discouragement but God can make it and use it as a place of spiritual preparation, purification, and transformation. He's going to bring purpose to what you're walking through. He's going to bring purpose to your pain. He's not going to waste your tears. He's going to use them 
to accomplish his will in your life and somebody else's. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, sometimes we see the valley as punishment with no purpose, but God sees the valley as preparation for our purpose. You have a purpose, and God is making you new. I love that um, Pastor Blaine, the scripture that he used. He had no idea what I was speaking on, and his scripture went right with what we were talking about today. He's going to make something new in you. He's going to make a road in your wilderness, and he's going to bring water or a river in your desert. We're going to get to that too. Throughout scripture and history of church, of the church, the desert has been used by God as a place of preparation. I want to prove it. Moses spent 40 years in the desert before God called him to lead his people to Egypt. Elijah, the prophet, lived in the desert as a result, stood firm as God's prophet in one of the lowest moments of Israel's history. John the Baptist spent much of his adult life in the desert. Out of the desert, he called a nation to repentance and then discerned that Jesus was the Messiah. Paul spent three years in the Arabian desert receiving God's revelation before returning to Jerusalem to begin his ministry. Jesus intentionally moved back and forth doing ministry with people and then back into the desert just to get alone and find time with God. You know, if Jesus had to find, go to a desert to spend time with God, sometimes it takes us going to the desert, going to a dry season of life for us to experience that time with him. First of all, you have to realize that you're in the desert. You have to realize that you need him and you have to realize that he's there. I'm not supposed to stay here, okay? I like to camp. Y'all, I just lied, I don't like to camp. Some of y'all, okay, let me rephrase that. Some of you like to camp and go camping. <laughs> but I'm telling you, do not post up a tent and live in Baca, okay? This is not the place that God has for you. Don't put up a tent. And if you do, go home. Because that's what happens when you go camping. It only, it's only fun for like three days. And then that's about it. The traveler in Psalms 84 keeps walking. He did not stop. No matter how hard it got, he continued to walk because he knew the reward that was coming. He was willing to continue to walk because he knew that eventually, he knew his destination. He knew his destination. And so when you know who you are in Christ, you know your destination, you will be encouraged to keep walking. Everything in life is a season and every season ends. I want to say that again. Everything in life is a season and every season ends. And every season ends, and every season has a beginning. Sometimes they may last a little bit longer than we want them to, but we're not supposed to stay there, just like Megan was saying. You know, uh, when I was a little girl, and uh, I, we were leaving Germany, and we were about to take off on this large airplane across the ocean, and we were leaving my whole life, all the people that we loved and everything behind us. And uh, what a difficult season of life that was, just out of just fear, you know, just being scared to death of what in the world's going to be on the other side of that ocean. But um, 
I, I loved my sister, my mom and dad, and my mother kept saying, you know, it's gonna be different, but it's gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine at the other side. And uh, I had to trust my parents. You know, when they said that, I had to believe what they were saying. And it's just like now, as mature Christians, our Father is telling us, I know you're where you are right now, but guess what? I'm going to get you to the other side. It's going to be fine. Just trust me through this valley. Jeremiah 17, 7, 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Megan asked me to talk to y'all a little bit about some of my seasons, and I know that's because I have so many of them. <laughs> but uh, my real, real season in the desert was at a, as a single mother, a single parent. And um, I will tell you, you know, just the, the worry every day of trying to make a living, of making sure you have a roof over your head, of taking care of your daughter. You know, it was a season of complete transition and transformation for both of us. And um, we were never alone through that process. It's kind of like what Megan was saying a minute ago about going through that desert and, and what it means to you and what is happening to you in that place. It is this walk in the desert where I hung on to the arms of Jesus the most. It is this walk where my faith walk grew more than at any other time in my life. The enemy, as we know, will send detours along the way and quicksand you know, to just take your eyes off of Jesus. That's what he's all about. Ooh, let me get their attention somewhere else instead of where their strength is, where they can be fortified. And that's what he does. But, you know, our God works through people. And as soon as, you know, as I would pray, the Lord would send a family member or a good friend, somebody positive in my life, and to Megan that would keep our, let us remember who we were anchored to. Let us know who was going to take care of us. Who was, at the, who was the light at the end of this very dark tunnel that we were in? You know, when the Holy Spirit told me that God had given me three precious daughters that were his treasures, he did not prepare me for when they'd grow up and leave the nest. <laughs> I call it my season of a lot of tears. <laughs> And, of course, it started, you know, when my first one left the nest, Megan. And uh, that was really the hardest. Uh, there went that panic alarm in my head, you know. I went into complete panic mode. And then I was reminded that there is no panic in heaven. Even though I'm panicking, there's none in heaven. Just hang in there. So my husband and I moved her to the dorm room at Louisiana Tech. And we finally had to leave campus that day. And I just cried all the way home, just blubbering all, you know, and praying to God, oh, Father, is she going to be safe and protected in that dorm? Uh, did we prepare her for living away from home? What is she going to eat? I never taught her how to cook because she'd never come to the kitchen. <laughs> 
How's she going to wash her clothes? She didn't know how to wash her clothes. I, I came home. She washed my clothes for me. I will tell you, she wouldn't come into the kitchen. I had so many things. Ah, oh, manana. You know, she always had a, had a different time to do that. But, um, again, so much prayer and uh, so much to be thankful for at the end of that season when all three of my daughters got married. You know, they're blessed. Uh, my youngest is married to a pastor, too. Woohoo! You know, you just never think those things will happen. <laughs> and see what God does. You know, see what God does. So we... Uh, but Anthony, uh, moving to, the, to my season that I'm in right now, um, Anthony, my husband, has been retired now for the last two years, and it was so exciting when recently I was able to do the same. And uh, working for 40 years, I'm looking forward to this new direction in life that God has given to the both of us. I think of this season not as retirement, but as renewalment, you know, because we're planning those bucket trips, you know, the bucket list items that we have on our list, that we uh, really places we want to go see. Uh, we had made a big plan to go to California. We have a lot of family along the way that we we're going to visit. I've always wanted to go see the Grand Canyon, all those wonderful things when the enemy will attack. And he attacked me with a vengeance. Uh, my foot, I, I have a long bench in our dining room, and that thing fell across my foot, my right foot, breaking four of my toes where I could not walk. The top of my foot and the bottom of my foot were totally purple, black, and blue. And I will tell you, it tossed me right slap dab in the middle of Baca. <laughs> I was in it. Woo, did I get, I got depressed. <laughs> I was very sad. I was sitting there going, wham. Where, 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 where? You know, my poor foot, poor me. Isn't that like it, though, when you're in the midst of a celebration that the enemy will throw something to try to discourage you? That's exactly that's what, what happened. Did. That is exactly what he did. Because I could kept thinking about these plans that we had made, all this, you know, this time and energy we had spent, and we were supposed to be on the road. And, y'all, six weeks later, I, my foot finally enabled me to be able to drive again because it, it was sad. But the Holy Spirit the great comforter took over. Once I quit whining about that, then the Holy Spirit came on board. And I, I spent that time, those six weeks, just basically talking to Jesus, getting prepared, you know, getting ready, getting equipped for my next season of life. God had given me a time of true reflection in the desert. He had given me a time to just be still, to just talk to him and hear him. And I will tell you, he, was, he reminded me every day of all the storms he had gotten me through that weren't on the forecast, that he, he did. He just picked us up and got us right through them. Jesus is loving us through the journey of becoming more like him, of having the mind of Christ. You know, it's those seasons of life that we look back and we say, the only way, the only absolute the way that I got through that is only because of God's grace. This is what the traveler found on his way to worship God, God's grace. God gave him everything that they needed on this journey, everything. The grace that God has for us is that he keeps coming. He keeps pursuing. Some of you may feel like, oh, I'm too far gone. You know what? God is pursuing you. He wants your heart. I love that song that we sang at the end, that, that he has our hearts, that it was he took on pain so, we, so he could have our heart. He wanted to prove how much he loved us. 
so he could have our heart. And so um, I have three kids, and I was thinking about how God pursues us. And some of us think, you know, I'm too far gone. If, I, if my three children were at Walmart and one of them got lost, I wouldn't say, oh, well, come on, I'll have two more, bye. You, no, why do we think God does that to us? No, I'd become crazy, become relentless, screaming on the microphone, having Walmart lock their doors, and having everyone search for my lost child. And that's what he does for us. And I love this series that Chris is doing, text, get back to the Bible, because when we get in his word, we begin to understand his heart for us. We begin to see ourselves the way that he sees us. We begin to see people the way that he sees people, and we need help with that, right? Especially those challenging people. We need to have the heart of Christ, and when we get into his word, that's what begins to happen. I want to um, show y'all the uh, Bible plan that we're going to do together. Chris has been picking a Bible plan each week, the one that I picked. For this, it's called Grace in the Valley. Okay, you're just going to go to your version app, Type in Grace in the Valley, and it will be the first one that pops up. So this one, y'all have been doing a five-day plan, and you have seven days to finish it, but we're going to graduate this weekend. And this is a seven-day plan, and you have seven days to finish it. So it's every day this week. I want you to make that commitment. Say, just for this, for this week, I'm going to commit to getting to God's Word. It's like five minutes. It's five to ten minutes a day. Every day this week, I want y'all to make that commitment because I promise it makes a difference. So going back to our passage, the writer goes on to say in Psalms 84, 6 through 7, As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. They make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs tells us that they chose to respond that way, that they made a decision to respond in the midst of their trial, in the midst of their desert. They made it a place of springs. Some historians believe that every time they made this journey, that they would begin to dig when they needed refreshment. That was the only way for them to get refreshment because there was pools of water, but they were so, so far away from one another. So they would dig, and they would dig deep enough, and the water would come up. They would lap the water for refreshment, and then they would dig out wide so it would make a pool. So while they went on their journey and it rained, it would fill up like a pool. Also, they would continue to dig a little bit deeper because they knew the people and their family that were coming after them. So that tells me that when we're in the midst of our desert, when we're in the midst of our trial, through our own digging, we're going to influence our family. We're going to influence our children. We're going to influence our husbands. So in the midst of your desert, if you will dig, and I'm talking about digging into God's word, if you will continue to cling on to his word, it is going to influence those coming after you. It's through this season of Baca that you may be in, when you begin to dig into God's word, it is going to change someone else. That you may be going through this for someone else's salvation, for you to minister to them, whatever that may look like, whatever situation that is, God is going to use you to be able to speak into someone's heart 
There's been several times where I've had women come to me and I didn't have their story. I could sympathize, but I couldn't empathize. But I knew women that could. And they could speak into their life like I could never be able to speak into their life because they had actually walked through it. So God is going to use your pain. He's going to use your your tears. And he's going to make a purpose from it. I remember as a child, I'd love to explore. Okay? And that's hard to believe. I collected rocks and bugs and... It, I, I, I had my own little, I don't know, bug collection and rock collection. But I remember this in particular that um, I don't know where we were, but, okay, Arkansas. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and this guy said, if you dig in this area, you will find a fossil. I was like, I don't have a fossil. I have all kinds of rocks, but I don't have a fossil. So I dug all day long, sunburn on my head, fingers hurt, everything. But y'all, I found a fossil. And I was so excited. All my other rocks were in this big old box, but my fossil, it sat right up on my dresser. And I I just look at it, because I knew how hard I worked to find that rock, because we know that discovery happens when we dig. The time and the effort that you put into it, you're not going to regret it. It's going to make a difference. Grace is the Lord. Grace is that the Lord has already provided what we need, that he's already ahead of us. He's giving us refreshment along the way. Later in the New Testament, I'm going to jump to John chapter 7 through 8. Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacle. And at the Feast of the Tabernacle, the people would come together and they would just be in celebration in the presence of God. And they would say, Lord, thank you for the crops that you've provided. And then they would begin to pray as a group and ask for rain for the future crops. So in, this, in the midst of this, in John 7, 37 through 38, he stands up and he says, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Jesus wants to be the one to fill your cup. He wants to be the one to quench that thirst. This reminded me of seasons of life, of a season in life when uh, I had all three of my kids home. None of them were in school. I stayed home. And uh, this particular time, I was trying to get ready for church. I thought I had them all entertained with, by a movie. So I was like, oh, this is my chance to go get my makeup on. So I crawled up on the counter because that's, that's what we do, crawl up on the counter because I didn't have anywhere else to do my makeup. And um, behind me, I heard. And I looked, and it was one-year-old curly-headed blonde Gabriel and he had stuck his hand in the toilet and he was drinking the PP toilet paper water that somebody didn't flush. And I freaked out, screamed, scared him, jumped down, grabbed him, started putting soap in his mouth, soap on his hand. He's crying. I'm screaming. And I mean, I guess y'all's faces, y'all are never going to forget that passage. Every time y'all read that passage, you're going to think about this story. <laughs> and you know, it, it, I guess he thought it was good enough for the dog, so it must have been good enough for him. He said, Mama, I'm, I'm thirsty. Let me get you something to drink. Good grief, son. But you know what? It's in our desperation. It's in that desperation that we will do whatever it takes to fill that thirst. The problem is, is that we try to seek everything else. We try to fill everything else 
That void, we try to fill it with relationships that God never intended for us to do. We try to go out and fill it with things that the world has to offer, but God did not. And Jesus is saying, come to me. I am the only one that can fill that dryness that you're experiencing. So in your desperation, remember that he is saying, come to me. Come to me. The promise that Jesus made to them is the same promise Jesus tells us today. Come to me when you're weary. When we have found ourselves in Baca, the Lord promises, I will be your living water, your refreshment, your sustainability. I will give you everything that you need. Jeremiah promises that when we seek him, we find him. When we seek him with all of our heart, not just pieces of our heart, not just some, oh Lord, you can have this part, you can have this, but you can't have this. No, it says all of our heart, we will find him. The kind of praise that comes on the other side of the desert can only happen if we've actually walked through it. Kind of like what I was talking about, those women that have been able to minister because they've actually walked through it. God is preparing you for your purpose and your pain is going to turn into praise. I love watching people worship because most of them, I know their stories and it's so encouraging to me to know what they've walked through and to see them still praise God like they do. Even in the midst of their storm, they still praise Him like everything is okay. And maybe some people may look at them like they're funny or wow, why are they praising like that? You don't know what they're going through to cause them to praise that way. So I love that. When we praise, God can release the pressure. God releases the pressure off of us when we can begin to praise. We have to be reminded that on each side of the valley, what's on each side of the valley? Two mountains, you know, we love to enjoy God on the mountaintop, but it's in the valley that we experience true intimacy with Him. So where do you go when those storms of life start raging around you? What do you do immediately when you find yourself in the valley? That's right. All those things. I heard someone say, praise the Lord. Amen. And I will tell you what we need to do more than anything else, though, is right away dig in, dig into his word. Is like Megan was saying, that's the route we've got to take. For it is the sword of the spirit that is our strength. That's what's going to get you through that desert time. You know, we have to surround ourselves with positive people. The people that will pull you out of that pity party. You know, you, get, you don't want them to join you in Baca and pitch a tent, as Megan was saying. You want someone that will get you right out of it, that will remind you who you are anchored to. Don't allow your feelings to control you. Fear does not come from God. We have to, choose, we have to fight fear with our faith. That's how we fight it. Choose to trust God. He may lead us sometimes to a place where we're wondering, am I going to fall off the edge of this cliff? I don't know where I'm going. But he does. He does. And I will tell you, the more we walk with him, the more we will live by faith. Amen. You know, when God is, is truly all that we have, we realize that he's all that we need. And sometimes we have to get to that place in life to realize that. 
You know, that may not be God's plan for us, but he allows it to happen just so we know that he's there and that we realize that he's all that we need. And so it takes that dry, that season that he didn't necessarily have planned for us, but it causes us to lean on him. It causes us to go to him for that refreshment. It causes us to see him even in the midst of the storm. The next verse in Psalms 84, 7. They go from strength to strength. This is showing that God gave them everything that they needed in the midst. They go from strength to strength. They, Chris preached on glory to glory. So it's in the two that we struggle with. We can be strong, but we're in the midst of the desert. We fall and we may be weak, And if I was just completely honest, it's in those seasons of Baca, it's in those seasons of hardship that I may not be strong, but He is. So you lean on Him and you continue to hold on to Him. You continue to dig into His Word and you continue to trust that He will never leave you or forsake you, that He is the author and the finisher. We forget that part, that He's the finisher. We say, yes, Lord, I know that you're the author, but we forget that he is the finisher and the one that begins a good work in me will finish it and perfect it. So just be reminded, I'm just here to encourage you today. Keep walking, keep looking to him. Your pain is going to turn into purpose and your tears are going, you're going to praise. You're gonna have praise on the other side. You may be in the valley, but your mountaintop is coming. And you may be walking through what you're walking through for somebody else. Or maybe it's just for your children to see what true faith and true um, just looking to God, what it looks like. They are looking to you. We come to understand the passage that the Lord keeps giving them. Everything that they need as they look to Him. Here's your strength is what God says. Uh, I like to think, Or I like to say, God doesn't give us an allowance of strength or grace. He doesn't say, here you go. Here's a little bit of strength for this season. Here's a little bit of grace for this season. Don't spend it all in one place. No, he is lavish with his strength. He is lavish with his grace. He makes us stronger as we keep our eyes on him. You know, you may be in Baca right now. And so this is really, this is really encouraged. You may be on the other side where you're in celebration at the Feast of the Tabernacle. Or maybe you see Baca on your, on the horizon. Whatever season it may be, I just want to encourage you today. And just know that he is going to see you through, that he holds you in the palm of your hand. Continue to look to him, dig into his word, and he is going to see you through the other side. He is your living water in this journey go to him and allow him to fill your cup. I want to go over our takeaways and I want you to get this and remember these are our four takeaways that I want you to remember. Number one, the desert is a place of preparation, purification, and transformation. So God is making a new thing. You, were, you may be walking through or you walked through something to make a difference in somebody else's life or God is purifying you. You know, it's only in the fire that God can, or that they can, that gold can be purified. 
They have to put gold in the fire for it to be what it is. And sometimes we are put through the fire for purification, but God does not allow us to burn. So number two, God didn't intend for us to stay in the desert. You may like camping, but don't camp out there for too long, okay? All right, it is not what God prepared for you. So just know that this is only temporary. What you're feeling is only temporary. Don't make decisions based off of what you feel. Make decisions based off of God's word and what he says. Number three, discovery happens when you dig. I want to just encourage you if, you, if you don't get into God's word daily, I want you just to start somewhere. Commit to it just for this week. You can do anything for seven days, right? Anything. So commit just to doing this Bible study with us for the next seven days. Grace in the valley. It's going to encourage you. And number four, there is praise on the other side. Okay? So remember, your mountaintop is coming. And just be encouraged today. I want all the ladies, all the ladies to stand. We want to pray a special blessing over you today. Because again, we are celebrating everyone. Didn't want to exclude anyone. We want to pray a blessing over you today before we leave. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have felt an anointing in this room, Lord, through our praise. And Lord, we thank you for these beautiful women in this room. Lord, they are your daughters. And Father, we thank you that you continue to bless them through this week ahead and the valleys and the mountains beyond. Father, we just give you the honor and the glory. Father, we pray that these hearts and minds have heard your word, Lord. And we give you all, all the honor, Father, and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.